Ladies and gentlemen, Raphael. Good evening, everyone. My name is Raf. Um, yeah, there's a lot of visitors in here. It's funny because we were praying before the service and we prayed that God would surprise us with one person that we haven't seen before and then he surprises us with five. Uh, and that's how awesome God is, isn't it? He always, you know, like when he answers prayers, sometimes he answers a lot better than we can imagine, you know. Um, I just want to say, um, I've got, for those who are visiting and never met me before, I have a very funny accent. Some people think I'm drunk when I'm speaking or some people call me like Donald Duck. I don't know why, but this is just... This is just like how I speak. I'm from Brazil. I was born and raised in Brazil. I came here when I was 17 years old. Uh, so that's where the funny accent comes from. So bear with me. Can I start by praying for us? Is that okay? Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, bringing all of us tonight here to church, Lord. Father, um, Lord, we want to encounter you, Lord. Father, we're not here for religion, Lord. Father, we're not here uh, just for a nice feeling, Lord. Father, we want to encounter you, Lord. Father, I pray that you're going to fill this place with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that the main goal of this talk tonight, Lord, is not that I'm going to sound good, Father, or make people laugh. Father, I pray less of me and more of you, Lord. Father, fill me with your Spirit, Lord. Father, remind me why I'm here and what I'm about to speak, Lord. Father, I pray for open ears and open hearts, Lord. Father, just use me as a vessel to speak what you want me to speak, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Chris, do you mind making some coffee for us? Is that all right? Some coffee. No, I want more. That coffee that wasn't a good one. I know that you keep the good coffee behind the scenes, so do you mind putting that for us? Thank you. Yeah, why not? Yeah, a lot of people want coffee, I think. I see a lot of people without coffee, so. All right. Um, I hope so. You're going to dress up like a proper coffee shop guy, which I love it. Guys, um, I don't know if you guys can relate, but when I was a teenager, like between, not a teenager, even before that, between the age of 10 and 14 or 9 and 13, I've tried like lots of different stuff. I've tried like, I've done like swimming lessons. I've done football class. I've done uh, uh, jiu-jitsu, I've done, you know, all things you can think of. You know, I've tried so many different things, even, uh, how do you pronounce it, Taekwondo. I've done that as well because I used to watch the guy who was teaching Taekwondo walk on the wall and I was like, man, this guy's like the Spider-Man, I've got to walk on the wall as well. You know, and um, I've tried all these things and not once I finished any of it. I started, I really wanted and then somehow, some way, I just lose the excitement for it. And, and that's it. And then I go to the next thing. You know, and um, does any of you guys have any stories, anyone in here, of things when you were a child that you started, you were really excited, and then you just lost that excitement? Does anyone in here have a story that you can share with us? I think there's quite a few, but the first thing that came to my mind was um, when I was 10, this woman came into my lesson in year six um, with brass instruments. She was like, if anyone is interested in learning a brass instrument, you get to miss the next lesson, which was math. And I'm really bad at maths. Um, I was, and I was, so I was like, yeah, I want to play the trumpet. Just like put my hand up, I want to play the trumpet. So I went came home with a trumpet. My mum wasn't very happy. <laughs> and I did trumpet lessons for like, 
was a good few months. It felt like ages and I just never really enjoyed it, but I felt like I'd committed to it. So I had to do it. My mum made me practice in the garage because I was so bad. Um, like honestly, even in the winter. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, and I finally quit it. Like I was all right, but I was with this girl, Lucy Atkinson, and she was amazing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just didn't follow it through and it was, it was a decision for the wrong reason, basically. Thank you, Becky. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anything that you started and you didn't finish? It could be anything. Could be courses or training. John. Yeah. I'm I don't want to touch your moustache. Yeah, okay. Keep your distance. Um, I'm definitely a Taekwondo orphan as well. Yeah, I started with my brother who was smaller than me, so that was fine, because I could beat him up. Um, and it, I was fine when I was in like, a beginner's group for the first like, three months. And then you move into like, the normal group, and everyone there was really big and really good, and I didn't want to go back after that. Well, I'd already paid for like, the whole kit and everything, yeah. I totally relate to that. Anyone else? Starting things but not finishing them, anyone? There we go. I think as a kid, I started and didn't finish about like 20 different books that I thought were going to be a bestseller from children's books to novels. And um, sometimes they were just picture books and those didn't get finished either. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. So I don't want you guys to judge me with what I'm about to say, but the only thing, all these activities that I stayed for longer was Taekwondo. And I was really proud. I went to one competition. I was fighting against this guy and the guy was a lot taller than me and a lot stronger than me. Somehow, someway, I kicked his nuts and the judge didn't realize. The guy fell to the floor. The judge grabbed my hands and said, you are the winner. <laughs> and I was like, man, I was so proud, you know, like next day I was in school telling my friends that I kicked the guy out and it was a proper KO and I hit him on the, on the head, but it was actually um, somewhere else. And, <laughs> And I won the competition. The judge didn't realize that uh, I was playing football with the guy. Um, and that's what happened. But I'm really sorry for sharing. It's quite embarrassing, but that's the reality of this story. What am I trying to say? You know, what am I trying to say with starting things but not finishing? Every time I looked at something, like I look at football, like I want to be like Messi. But then I realized that to be like Messi, I've got to do the things that Messi does. You know, and then I want to, like, like the Taekwondo uh, uh, professor or teacher or tutor, whatever way you call, I looked at the guy walking on the wall, but I didn't realize that for that, his diet was very rigorous, you know, that he, like, trained for 15 hours a day. And I was like, I don't want to train 15 hours a day. There's no way. You know, so I was very excited for the, like, for the, for the final outcome, but I wasn't very excited about the effort that takes for me to achieve that. Right. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad that some of you can relate and I'm not the only one. Let me ask you guys, who likes hot coffee, like very hot coffee? Who likes prefer hot coffee than iced coffee? All right. A few people prefer hot coffee. Do you mind serving it for me, Chris? Is that all right? Maybe who doesn't have a coffee and wants a hot coffee? Maybe Lou. I think Lou wants some coffee in there. Who would rather have iced coffee? Iced coffee, anyone? You don't need to have it, but who likes iced coffee? Who prefers iced coffee? 
Oh, there we go. Yeah, if you don't mind serving her, Chris, please. Thank you. So some of us likes, yeah, we are done. So some of us likes, thank you so much, sir. So some of us likes iced coffee, some of us likes hot coffee. I left my coffee before the break uh, under my chair and it's kind of lukewarm now. Does anyone in here want some lukewarm coffee? No, okay. Travis, can I invite you to do the Bible reading for us, please? If you have your pew Bible, it will be page 1288, but it's Revelations chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Thank you, Travis. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Yeah. I guess that's what would happen if I drink a lukewarm coffee. It's a pretty strong passage. It's a pretty, um, yeah, it's a pretty challenging passage. And uh, I just want to say that um, I don't believe that condemnation comes from God. Uh, wherever I'm going to be preaching here tonight, um, towards the end, you're going to understand the, the context of it. All right. Uh, yeah. So just bear with me. The city. Uh, sorry. The title I want to give to this uh, sermon tonight is Who's on the Front? Right, so who's on the front? And I, I guess later on as we go ahead, you guys are going to understand why that name. So the city that we are faced with in here, Jesus was talking about a church that was in a place called Laodicea. And um, basically that city was extremely rich. It was a textile city, like they were very comfortable. They had everything like you could think of. You know, there was no poverty, there was no need to like, um, you know, things were cool. Things were so cool, and the guys were so comfortable in their lives. And um, I've got a picture in here. This place nowadays is, uh, is like a tourist place. You know, many people go there uh, for holidays destination. You know, uh, that, that's actually uh, the warm baths that they have in that place. You know, it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, this is the city and this is the exact place that the Bible is mentioning here on Revelation 3.6. You know, so we are facing here with a city that was like extremely rich. You know, everyone was extremely comfortable and they were so comfortable that the church itself and their spirituality became extremely poor. Okay. I want to read verses 17 again, and um, I don't know, everyone here, I mean, it's impossible not to know Bob Marley, right? Okay, 
Bob Marley said something that is very close to what Jesus said on verse 17. All right. And uh, what Bob Marley says was this. Say some people are so poor that all they have is money. Okay, and I love that. You know, some people are so poor, all they have is money. And what does Jesus say on verse 17? You know, Jesus says, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Some people are so poor that all they have is money. It makes me think in, in verse 18, Jesus says the following. Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. So I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. I don't know if you guys pay attention to the connection that has with John 6.35. You know, in John 6.35, Jesus says that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You know, so basically Jesus is saying that the only thing, the only food that you can eat where you're not going to feel starved afterwards is the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ. And the only drink that you can have that you're not going to be thirsty after is Jesus Christ. All right? This water, I'm drinking a lot, and I'm still thirsty. You know? And I really am. I want to, there is a picture that, it's in South America, and that's the picture. What this picture represents is a God-shaped void that all of us in here have. You know, uh, the Bible teaches us that we were created by God and for God, right? You and I were created by God for God, and nothing else that we do will fulfill that void. Right? Nothing else. You know, so that picture is, I really love this picture. It shows the void that we have that so many times we are trying to fulfill with the next promotion at work or with the next girlfriend or the next hobby that we're going to find. You know, it is part of us believes that we can fill a God-shaped void with something that is not God. And the results of that is we are always chasing the very same thing. And that takes me back to when I was a child. You know, I start jujitsu and I'm really enjoying it. And in six months time, I don't want this anymore. I want something else. I want something else. And then I start taekwondo. And a few months later, I don't want this. I want something else. And I go and I, and I start, you know, doing swimming classes. And I've tried so many things because nothing was fulfilling that that it took me to some bad places. You know, the point I want to make is that there is absolutely nothing wrong with having a good job, okay? I don't want to go to, you know, say that you can't have money, you can't have a good job, and you can't, you know, just go and sell everything you have and let's be poor together. That's not the point of the talk, okay? There is nothing wrong with having money. There is nothing wrong with having a good job. There is nothing wrong having a hobby. There's nothing wrong. What's problem 
starts with P of problem and it's called priorities. You know, the problem is when I really believe that my hobby or my relationship or my friendships or my car or, or, or my financial situations or whatever it is, gonna fulfill that void. And then I find myself again and again and again and again feeling miserable. I have a great job, I have a great car, and I have everything. And still, I feel unfulfilled. Interesting that Jesus says, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You have everything and you have nothing because you don't have the bread of life. You know, sometimes I don't know, like I don't know you guys, but having a lot of stuff and being too comfortable is not a problem, but it can be a big problem. Right? If you, you know, if you don't have lots going on in your life, then you can concentrate on your goal. You know, like let's say, for example, uh, you were single, uh, you know, you, you're just living in a, in, a, in a room and you're just studying and you have your focus. And all of a sudden you make a lot of money and now you buy a car and you have a girlfriend and you have all these stuff. It's so easy to allow those things to take us away from where God is trying to take us. And this is what happened in that city. So it's an extremely rich place. People got so comfortable. You know, they got so comfortable. They got so hot. You know, they got so hot by like their jobs and their comfort and, and, you know, everything that they had, you know, and they became so lukewarm in their faith. You know, people going to church just because it's what we do. On Sunday, we go to church. Like I said, you know, the problem, uh, I, you know, this is not about condemnation. The problem is not you being here and feeling like, oh, my God, man, that's really speaking to me. That speaks to me, too. Right? The Bible reminds us again and again that all of us in here have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody, you know, I don't know nobody that lives for Christ every day 24 7. That's certainly not me. And if it's you, you know, God bless you. A lot of respect for you. The problem is, for example, I love football. And I love football. I really do. You know, I was born in Brazil, as you can imagine, in football in that is like a religion. Yeah, I just, I just love football. And then Sunday, 5 o'clock, my football club is going to play. Man, I'm going to travel two and a half hours. I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's snow. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to go to that football stadium. But then it's Sunday, 5 o'clock. Church starts at 6. And it starts to rain. And I open the curtain. Not today. I'm too tired. It's raining too much. So the problem is not what I have. The problem is my priorities. You know, am I too hot for my hobby? But I'm very lukewarm to my faith. You know, I'm really hot. I do everything. You know, I'm going to climb the mountains to go to like to, to, to see my partner. But I can't even jump a little bit to spend some time with God and pray. You know, I'm going to manipulate, I'm going to do whatever it is, and I'm going to make sure that four times a week I'm going to go to the gym. And I'm very committed to it. 
But then it's a bit windy on Sunday, and I can't go to church like that. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys can relate, but man, how many times I have put my priorities in places where like, just mess me up. Just mess me up. The problem is when I'm more committed to external things than I am to inside things. And it's quite insane because, you know, some people, they learn by the book. The book tells them something and they learn it. They're like, okay, this is what Jesus says. This is what I'm going to do. I'm stupid, all right? I'm sorry, I, I, you know, I'm stupid. I don't learn through like the book tells me than I do. You know, my life story is that I read the Bible. Jesus says, I am the bread of life, but I buy some, some other bread. Give me the other bread first. You know, give me instant gratification. Give me something that's going to make me feel good right now. And then I find myself crying on my knees. There is a, a quote that I heard that says exactly this. It says, be very careful that you end up achieving everything you always wanted just to find yourself empty and unfulfilled. In another word, be careful what you're praying for because you might get it and you might not be able to handle it. I've prayed in my life for things before and when I got them, I had to pray that God would remove it because I believed that my will was better than his will. You know, we are body and spirit. It's fine enjoying things. It's fine going to the football stadium. There's no problem. You know, I took my kids about four months ago to Wembley. We had a great time. But I make sure that when I get home, I put myself on my knees and I thank God for everything I have. Do I do that every day? Absolutely not. Sometimes I fail. But sometimes I can put stuff in front of God and then wonder why I feel so empty and unfulfilled. You know, um, I know a lot of people and, and one specific person that I, I'm not going to mention who the person is because, you know, these talks get recorded, but there is somebody very close to my heart, uh, one of the people that I probably love the most. And this guy has uh, the calf, your dreams. This guy lives in a mansion. You know, this guy has like over 130 people working for him. And everyone is like, man, that's amazing. Look at his life. But I know that guy so close that I know that that guy is crying for love desperately. You know, he got everything externally. You look at his life and you would give everything you, you can to have the life that he has externally. But internally, that man is suffering. You know, and I guess there's a lot of people who um, maybe here in church tonight can feel the same way. You know, we're putting our uh, careers in front of God. We're putting uh, our relationships in front of God. Or we're putting our hobbies in front of God. And then we wonder why. I remember like a, a friend of mine. I'm just going to use this story to try and make sense. He basically like was having... Um, you know, he met a girl, right? He, had, he met a girl. And the relationship with that girl didn't work out. You know, he said he was in love, that he fell in love with the girl. And three months later, the girl was insane and crazy and he didn't want her no more. Fair enough, it happened. Uh, a few months later, he meets another girl. 
and um, the relationship didn't work and he said he was in love, but now he hates the girl again. And, um, you know, it's the second now, right? So third time, same story. Man, I'm in love. I love this girl. And a few months later, she's crazy. Please, God, take her away from me. And, you know, my, my friend sat down with this guy and said, listen, he said, four girls and all of them are crazy. He said, who is the common denominator in here? He said, you just pick crazy people? He said, why are crazy people so attracted to you? What I want to say is, unless I'm spiritually healthy, my finances cannot be healthy. Unless I am spiritually healthy, my friendship with my colleagues at work cannot be healthy. You know, unless I'm spiritually healthy, my romantic relationships cannot be healthy. Having priorities in place is very important. Very, very important. And I want to say one thing. Your job will not satisfy you. You know, your, your romantic relationship will not forever, for the rest of your life, you're going to be completely in love like the way you felt the first time you looked at the girl. In fact, six months later, you might be kicking each other, you know, out of bed. You know, your football club not going to satisfy you forever. You know, you can try. Do whatever it is. Put all these things in front of God. You know, not even hanging out with the vicar going to satisfy you. Not coming to church every Sunday going to satisfy you. Not reading your Bible every day going to satisfy you. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can satisfy you. No church, no religion, no hanging out with the vicar or hanging out with the spiritual guys. You cannot get a relationship with God through other people but through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? I've divided the talk in two parts. So what's the problem in here? You know, what's the problem? And you know the problem? In church, we have so many people praying for blessings. God bless me, please. God, give me this job. Give me this. Give me health. Give me. But we don't have enough people wanting to be a blessing. I see a lot of people in church asking and asking and asking. But then you come and ask them to give something. And you're too tired. You know, so the problem is what can I gain mentality? Raf is a young boy going to jiu-jitsu. I want to get that. I want to be just like that guy. And then he tells me, okay, Raf, no problem. Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, meet me at 6 o'clock in the morning in my house, and you're going to train for three hours. I say, are you crazy, G? Get out of my way. You know, so I'm very focused on what I want to gain but I'm not very focused and not like strong in my thoughts to like giving and sacrificing. I just want to get, just want to get. So the problem is, okay. There is a guy who said to me once, you know, he said many people know the glory, but they don't know this story. Many people want to get where you are, but they're not willing to do what you had to go through. You understand? And that guy was me. You know, I wanted the glory. You know, give me the, the outcome. You know, give me the shortcut. But not very willing for the sacrifices. 
And friends, I want to say something. We can bring the same attitude to church, the same attitude and towards God. We become Christians and we're coming here with depression. Some people like myself came because of addiction problems. Some people come to church because they're having a financial problem. And sometimes some people coming here because they're having a problem in their relationships. And then they meet the Holy Spirit. God starts to heal them. They find a job. They find a girlfriend. They buy a beautiful car. And then they say, God, sit down here for now. I'm enjoying my car right now. Stay there. So I came to church asking God to give me something. And once I get that something, God is on the back seat. I park God right now because I got what I needed. Just like in that city that Jesus is talking about, we can get, you and I can get pulled back by staff that the world offers us so easily. You know, and it's important for us to understand that even if God didn't give you nothing else from today, let's say that you're going to pray another 5,000 prayers for the rest of your life and none of them are going to be answered. Just what Jesus Christ did on that cross is enough. You understand? Just what Jesus Christ did. You know, you and I, we are messed up. Some people don't like to hear that, but I'm sorry, the Bible says that you are. You and I are more broken than we would like to admit. We dress up nicely, we go to church, and we pretend to be very spiritual, but inside there's lots of brokenness. You and I, friends, are more broken than we would like to admit, but also we are more loved than we could ever imagine. You and I are more broken than we would like to admit, but we are also more loved than we could ever imagine. You know that Jesus Christ died for a sick guy like me, that he paid a price that like, man, I deserved. Even if there was no more prayers answered to the rest of my life, I should be grateful to what happened in that cross. None of us in here deserve what we have. We don't. You might think you do, but you don't. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, the Bible tells you that you don't deserve. It's called grace. It's an undeserved gift. There's nothing you can do to gain that. You can do homeless outreach 30 times a month. You know, you can be a really cool guy and be kind to everyone, and you can try to buy God's love. God's not going to love you any more or any less. You don't need to buy his love. You can't. No matter how many good acts you do, you can't. He died because he loves you. You know, he died because he knew that alone, if he left to our own way, we would mess up. We would mess up. Some people, they find really hard to understand grace. They're like, what's grace? I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get what's grace. I truly believe that you cannot understand grace if you don't have a good sense of self-awareness. You cannot understand grace if you are not in touch with how broken you are. If you're one of these people that you think you're a really good guy, you're a really good person, my heart is pure, I'm praying for you. 
You know, to understand God's grace, we've got to understand that he paid the price that we deserve to have paid. Jesus says that we should go and make disciples. I want to read this. It's in Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus says, and this is what is going to lead me to the, to the uh, antidote part. So remember that the problem is the what can I gain mentality. Give me blessings, but I don't want to be one. So in, in, in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Friends, there is a great commission. There is a great commission. We are not saved by works but we are saved for works. God didn't save you just because you're cute. God saved you with somebody else in mind. There is someone out there in your workplace. There is somebody out there in your family. There is somebody out there in your football class who is struggling with depression, who is trying to fulfill their God-shaped void with everything they can think of, but they don't know Jesus Christ. And they could know Jesus Christ by knowing you. You know, we are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. And, you know, sometimes people can think that, oh, to, to do that, you need to be in full-time ministry. You need to be training to be a vicar, or you need to be a vicar, or you need to be a pastor, or you need to be... I don't know. It's like, Chris, you do it, man. You're the vicar of this church. Please do it for us. We are here praying for you. But no, all of us are called. All of us are called for the Great Commission to go and share the gospel with people that we know. So Jesus is basically saying, you know, it's not like you get to know Jesus and you prayed and you're asking for all the things you want. And now you get to just go home and put the certificate on the wall, like saved. And just sit and chill. You know, if you get what you wanted and don't go and share with others who gave you what you have. There's a very high chance of you losing what you have gained, at least spiritually. And soon find that Jesus is out of the throne. And also the title of this sermon was, who is at the throne, who is on the throne? Jesus was on the throne when I was broken and depressed and in addiction and whatever, and financially struggling, Jesus was on the throne. But now I got the money in my pocket and my car is on the throne. I put on some weight. I want to lose weight. I pray that God's going to help me and that I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to go to the gym and then I get fit and then God is out of the front and the gym is on the front. You know, we've got to be careful that we don't kick Jesus out of the front and put other things in there because eventually we're going to get kicked out. Not by God. You know, some people say, oh, God is punishing. No, no, God took punishment on him. It's not punishing God. We are punishing to ourselves. How many times people say, Ralph, don't put a hand on the fire. And I put, oh, it's burning. God, why are you doing that to me? And God didn't do anything. I put my hands on fire. I know lots of people that they blame God for everything the bad that happens in their lives when they are making the choices they are making. Maybe that's just me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fast because you guys are looking very serious at me. I don't want people throwing bricks at me. I'm sorry. Um, Living on self-will. 
will take you further than you want to go, will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it's going to cost you much more than you're willing to pay. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Living on self-will is going to take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it's going to cost you much more than you're willing to pay. If you live in your own will. External things have the ability to mask our real struggles and insecurities. You know, I know lots of people that hide behind the car they have or the job they have or their financial situations. But really and truly underneath that, there is a lack of sense of identity. I'm just good if I have these and I'm just good if I have that. There is no God's identity in there. In this city, the same was happening. They were hiding behind good jobs, good clothes, all the external things, but were spiritually dead and served no purpose. Just like my lukewarm coffee. Absolutely no purpose. So God, you know, Jesus is saying this passage, he's about to spew out of his mouth because it serves no purpose. You're neither hot nor cold. just want to talk about the antidote as I start coming to the end. Just like that picture showed the God-shaped void. It's an internal job. It's not an external job. You know, I have to realize that no external things will ever fill that hole completely. Never. It's an inside job. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's me making sure that Sunday, no matter what happens. And friends, it's not about church. You know, it doesn't matter if you're going to put money in this church, on the church across the, church across the road. It doesn't really matter. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And how can I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Am I reading his words? Am I going to church on Sundays? Am I part of a small group? Do I worship God? Do I talk to God often? Or do I talk to my boss more often than I talk to God? Am I worshiping Jesus Christ or am I worshiping my, my, my hobby? People say that, you know, if you want to see people's priority, pay attention. No, don't pay attention to what they say to you. Talking is easy. Living is hard. Anyone can come in here and pretend they're spiritual and talk. Look at where they're spending their time on. If you want to see people's priority, pay attention to where they're spending their time on. Look after your spiritual being first, and all the rest will fall into place. Make sure that the king that is at the throne, that is on the throne, is Jesus. If you go to Luke 12, 29 to 31, it says, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But, you know, but is a very small word with a big meaning. But, seek his kingdom first. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. Even before you ask, he knows what you need. He knows that you might be depressed. He knows that you might need a job desperately. God knows. But then what Jesus says is, 
but seek his kingdom first. What was I talking about? Priorities. Seek Jesus Christ before your hobby. Seek Jesus Christ before your romantic relationship. Seek Jesus Christ before your gym time. Seek Jesus Christ before your worries. And that passage ends by saying, and these things will be given to you as well. If you seek Jesus Christ first and foremost. The question for me now is, how do I become hot for God? If you are lukewarm, like I have been many times in my life, guys. I've been lukewarm many times. You know, sometimes the preacher preaches what he needs to hear the most. Do you understand? It's like we all go through stages where we get lukewarm. Just go to church, yeah. The weather is nice today. They have coffee and cake. Let's go to church. It's okay, I understand. I've been there. You know, how can I become hot for God? How can I, like, make sure that I'm going to change my priorities from now? You know, I put a few bullet points in here. You know, worship God with your whole life. Don't just, you know, get saved and sit. Get saved and serve. Remember that you're not saved by works, but you are saved for works. God saved you with somebody else in mind. And that person might never come to know Jesus Christ unless you open your mouth and share the gospel with them. Being a part of a small group, read God's word, sharing the good news with people that don't know the good news. Doesn't matter if it's a work, family, or wherever it is. Stick with those that are on fire for God. Stick with people that are passionate about God and they are serving God. And invite the Holy Spirit to set you on fire. Just want to say again that there is nothing wrong with having good jobs or money, a good life. The problem is our priorities. Is the things that I'm seeking first. I want to ask you guys a question. Who is on the front of your life right now? Who is on the front? don't need to tell people who is there but just reflect just reflect who's on the front of your life right now and if you can't really find out maybe look at your diary and have a look where you're spending most of your time on am I separating time in the morning to pray and connect with God am I reading his words who is on the front and friends I'm coming towards the end and I want to read verse 19 because after speaking about all this serious stuff, you guys are looking at me like if you really hate me. And I'm so sorry about it. But it's the word of God. And I also don't like it sometimes, but it's still the word of God. You like it or not. In verse 19, you know, God is funny. It's like, it's like if he, he makes you feel really low, and then he comes and pulls you right up with love. You know, so in this passage, he's saying, I'm going to spew out of my mouth, man. You're lukewarm. You just come to church to get, you give nothing to no one, you're lazy, I'm going to spew you out. And then on verse 19, he comes and says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Those who, those who I love, I rebuke and discipline. Friends, your real friends are the ones that are willing to piss you off but tell you the truth so you can get set free. 
I have two kids, one is 10 years old and the other is eight years old. I love them so much that sometimes I have to tell them, no, you can't have it. Ah, but my friends have it, daddy. I don't care, I'm not their dad. I'm your dad and you're not having it. It's interesting how many times God says no to our prayers and we don't understand that our ways are not his ways and our faults are not his faults. What you might want, God might have something extremely bad waiting for you. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. God is not saying that because he hates you, but the very opposite. The very opposite. God loves you regardless of where you are at. You know, it doesn't matter if you're lukewarm right now, if you're hot, or if you're cold, or if you're like the vicar or the bishop. It doesn't matter where you are in your life right now. Jesus Christ died on the cross because God loves you abundantly. The problem is, friends, he loves you no matter where you are, but he also loves you so much that he's not willing to let you be where you're stuck. He loves you so much to leave you there, I think, lukewarm. Jesus says that he promises life and life to the full, and he knows that you're not going to have life to the full with that car. He knows that you're not going to have life to the full with that job. He knows that you're not going to have life to the full with that next promotion. He knows that life to the full is only through a relationship with the living God, Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you're going to find out yourself with lots of things and nothing. I'm going to say a story, and I'm going to leave us and lead us into prayer, that we can pray for one another. So friends, God is not wanting to condemn you. You know, the, the purpose of this talk, you know, when I was preparing it, I was thinking that I wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, many churches or many places, they might want to make you feel really bad and condemned. But that's not the purpose of this talk. The purpose of this talk is to say that the same guy that is speaking these things to you is the same guy that sometimes is very lukewarm. Do you understand? To be honest with you, I wouldn't like to say that, but I'm probably more lukewarm than I'm hot all the time. But God is not willing to leave me there. He loves me so much for that. He loves me so much to see me like miserable, like in that city. So I want to say a story that, um, basically there was a guy, he's like 50 years old, okay? No, not that old, okay. I'm sorry, as you for a fifth, I didn't call you that old. But um, I'm, I'm really sorry, I say embarrassing things. Okay, Chris, I'm sorry, you're nearly there. Um, there was a guy, I, I, anyway, I'm embarrassed now. Anyway, whatever age he has, okay, he has a child. And his son is like six years old. And the son is like, Dad, I want to play with you. But it's 8 o'clock in the evening and the guy's an accountant, like a very important accountant. And he got to prepare a whole bunch of work for Monday. Sunday night, the guy's trying to work and the son is, Dad, Dad, I want to play. And the dad is like, man, I need to give something to this boy before I kill him. Not literally kill him, but you get my point. And the dad finds a picture, like a huge picture, you know, like that. But it was like a picture of the world map. And the dad thought to myself, I'm going to tear this picture apart in small pieces. 
I'm going to put them on the floor and I'm going to say, son, go and take it. Put the whole world map back together on its place as it's supposed to be. And as soon as you are done, we're going to play. And the little boy takes it and he's really happy that, you know, I'm starting to engage with daddy. And he takes all those small pieces to his room. And the daddy's like, thank you, Lord. I'm going to have five hours now without this boy annoying me. And a minute later, the boy's like, dad, I'm done. I finished. And the daddy's like, it must be wrong. It must be wrong. So the dad goes to his bedroom and the whole world map picture is put back exactly as it's meant to be. And the dad is like, man, are you crazy? Who is helping you? It's just me and you in the house. How the hell did you do that? And the little boy looked at his father and said, dad, on the back of that map, I've realized that there was a picture of Jesus Christ. All I had to do is put Jesus back on its place and my whole world fall into place. Put Jesus first. Don't put your boyfriend first. Don't put your job first. Don't put your boss first. Don't put your hobby first. Those things are going to leave you hungry. Who is on the front of your life? Is it you? Get you out there. You're no good. Put Jesus Christ first and your whole world will fall into place. There's a lot of people that think they're struggling with mental healthy, but they're struggling with spiritual healthy. Put your spirituality first. Seek Jesus Christ first. And watch what he's going to do in your life. What I would like to do now, if we could separate in groups of four, three or four, sit with people that you're comfortable with or you make sure the visitors are welcomed as well, but sit in groups of three or four, you don't need to tell your friend who is on the front. But what I want us to do tonight is that we're going to pray for one another. That we're not going to be lukewarm anymore. We pray that this week we're going to be boiling hot. Or we're going to be ice cold for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before you guys go into groups, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight's service. Lord, Father, thank you that we prayed before the service that we would bring visitors in here, Lord, and you brought so many of them. Father, we want to say no to us and yes to you, Lord. Father, we doubt you, nothing makes sense, Lord. Father, we doubt you, Lord, we are poor, blind, naked, and wretched. Father, I pray that as we leave church tonight, Lord, Father, I pray that it was not just one more sermon, Lord. Father, I pray that your spirit have touched people's hearts, Lord, and Father, as we live, the mango of our week, Lord, will be the great commission, Lord, that we're going to share the good news with those that we work with, if our family members that don't know you, Lord. Father, I pray that you're going to set us on fire, Lord, for you, Lord. Father, set us on fire, Lord. Father, I pray the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, over all of us in here tonight, Lord. We pray in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Because if we just spend like five, ten minutes in groups of four praying for each other, that would be amazing.